Good morning. Wow, here we are, like the fourth Sunday in Advent. So glad that you're here. Um, just really good to be together on this beautiful day. I get to show you right at the top this quick little video that um, friends sent in from the church, sent in pictures of their crushes. And so we're going to take a quick look at them. So thank you if you'd sent in one of those pictures from um, your crush, that's from your home. That's pretty cool. So 2020 has given us um, a lot of reasons to be drawn towards the longest night service, which is tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. And we're holding it in the sanctuary because we had a pretty good response. So if you're needing a little healing and some reflective time, um, please join us for that. And you can register until noon tomorrow um, for the longest night service. We will start celebrating Christmas on the beach on Christmas Eve Eve. So we'll be at Siesta Key right by the volleyball courts. Um, that starts at 5 o'clock. Bring your chair, bring your friends. We'll sing some Christmas carols and hear the Christmas story. And then back on campus, 3, 5, 7, and 9, 3 o'clock is the only service on Christmas Eve that will be in the sanctuary. So we will have a no singing, um, masked, more reflective than what we um, will be able to do outside. I don't know if you've seen how the courtyard is all lit up or if you've been here at night, but it's just beautiful. Five, seven, and nine, five still sort of geared towards families, although all of them will be lots of singing, 
Christmas story, a little bit shorter service than we typically do because we'll be outside and we sort of invite you to bring a chair as well. Um, we'll have some, but it'll probably be better if you bring your own, it'll be more comfortable anyway. Um, we will wear masks and um, celebrate the birth of Christ outside under the stars, so it should be good. Um, if you are something comes up and you're not able to come um, out, we will be televising on our website and all of our social media um, stations a pre-recorded Christmas Eve service at 7 o'clock. So you'll be able to um, watch that and worship at home if that ends up needing to be the case. And then if there is bad weather, we are going to try to move into the sanctuary, like about 200 people fit for each service. So we're going to try to accommodate. We get to practice patience if that's what we, um, if the weather doesn't cooperate. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That's like all the announcements. But I do have another short little video for you to see. Um, we've been doing this new thing this year called Christmas Traditions. So it's not a tradition yet, but it's kind of cool. Um, Renee McQueen has sent in a very special um, Christmas tradition from their home. So take a look at this. Well, this crush set is um, something that my mom made. And she made this um, 50 years ago in a small town upstate New York where I grew up. She went to a ceramics uh, class down the street. A, a lady down the street had taught ceramic, and she went there and made this beautiful crush set along with many other pieces that we have. They already came molded together, so she painted all them and then um, and put in, did, painted all the detail and, and, and the figurines and stuff. And this is a super favorite one that we always had out on her buffet every single year growing up. And when they moved to Florida and decided they needed to share some of their <laughs> some of their pieces with us, um, I got to have the crush set, and it's always and it's actually out year long now because I used to set it up just at Christmas, and I love it so much. Got the camels here, and then the small lambs, and the of course inside it's back it's set in, but it's nice that we kind of have it um, the cows and everything to make it a little more realistic to when Jesus was born need a little larger space probably but <laughs> they live at town in town actually live in Nokomis so they're close um, and uh, of course yeah she can still visit it and see it whenever she wants and still enjoy it it's just it's just a beautiful set she's very talented and it's just been a special treasure in our family for a long time so I'm so happy to have that and be able to display it Nice. Um, and now I get to introduce to you our um, newest members who have just joined the church, uh, Gemma Estamata and David Bird, and they are um, shown there with their children. And we also um, had Edward Lawton Jr. join the church, and he is shown with his wife, True, who already is a member. So it's just with um, great delight that we get to welcome these new people into the life of our church. They've made that commitment to join us in our, um, our mission, I guess, our, our, what, what drives us, right, to love God and to love neighbor. Um, if you are interested in joining the church, um, just contact Pastor Mingy. Um, she's on the website, so you can. she'll get you all the information, and they do that on Zoom. It's not just once a month now. You can join um, anytime. 
And now I would love to invite my friends, the Saba family, to come forward to light the fourth Advent candle. Good morning. Because too many people are wandering in the wilderness, because too many people are sitting in the valley of the shadow of death, we light candles. Because people all over the world are suffering and we are too busy to notice, we light candles. Today we stop everything and light these candles, one for hope, one for peace, one for joy, and one for love. May the light from these candles overwhelm the world. May the light from these candles illuminate the valley of the shadow of death. May the light and the fire from these candles burn away everything that is preventing God's love from being born among us. Brothers and sisters, be not afraid. Even now, even now, God's love is overwhelming the world. As we stand to worship God, let us light the Christ candles on our tables.
Awesome. That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, so we are at that time in our service where we have the opportunity to worship God with our offering and our tithes. And I, um, we're just grateful for your ongoing generosity. And we know that um, as the year end comes, the needs are still coming. So thank you. Thank you. Um, of course, there's those four ways to give or on your way out today, if you're worshiping with us here, you can um, put it in the baskets on each, either table. And now we have um, that time that we can hear the prayers of the people, that we can hear what's on your heart, um, what maybe you're celebrating, maybe what you have uh, concern about. There are prayer cards on the back table, and those can be private if you put them in the little jar, and if you want them read aloud, just to give them either to myself or Bill or one of the mic runners. So Olivia and Bill are going to go around today with the mic if you want to say it out loud so that we can make sure that it is heard um, on the recording for people who are worshiping at home. They have an alcohol wipe to wipe down the uh, microphone after they give it to you so it'll be wiped down. So how can we be praying on this day? Okay, I'm going to kick it off with a joy. I'm a grandma. <laughs> uh, Morgan had her baby a week early. Um, her water broke, so on December 14th, a little baby boy, healthy as can be, Brooks Allen. So we get to meet him, I think, on Tuesday. Yeah. How else can we be praying today? I'm going to trust that no news is good news. Every, oh, right up here, Olive, Christina, Scott. So, I don't know if the community knows, but... So a young boy from Sarasota High School was killed in a car crash a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And the kids, they are hurting. Yeah. They don't. They don't really know. This is like so new for them. It's not something a lot of them have experienced before, and they're just really hurting, a lot of them. Yeah. So please pray for the kids and for the boy's family. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's so tragic, and um, we were able to provide the space behind the Palm Center, if you maybe saw the tent when you came in, um, to provide, he, um, his service was over at Incarnation, I believe, but they didn't have a space large enough. So it's so tragic for that family, of course, and for these young people. And so we will certainly keep them in our prayers. Thanks, Christina. How else could we be praying on this day? All right, well... Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we are so grateful, Lord, as we're making our way to Bethlehem. But we are more aware than ever that it is a season of darkness and of light. And we have the hope 
and the joy of knowing that you are the light of the world and that the darkness cannot ever, ever overcome your light. Lord, you've heard a couple of prayers today spoken aloud. We give you all that is on our heart. We pray, Lord, that you would comfort those who need comforting, that you would use us as instruments of your peace and of your comfort and of your love in a world that is hurting. We thank you for the gift of your son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. My name is Steve McConnell. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are, hard to believe, as we've been saying, in the fourth Sunday of Advent and getting pretty darn close to Christmas. And we have been through this season of Advent looking at the uh, fruit of the Spirit called patience. We have been looking at hope and joy and peace, which are three of the candles that we have been lighting during Advent, and now we're looking at patience, which I guess is another way of thinking of hope. So uh, actually, we're encompassing all of the Advent wreath in our series on the fruit of the Spirit in these first four months. We, uh, a few weeks ago, looked at the patience of the prophets, and then a couple weeks ago, we looked at the patience of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then last week, we looked at the patience of um, John the Baptist, sometimes the impatience of John the Baptist. And today we are taking a look at the patience of Mary and Joseph, and we're looking at the first accounts of uh, the angels' visits to Mary and Joseph, the first from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Hear the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly, but just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38 in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived also a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. We pray, O oh God, in this season as we wait patiently, that even in these moments you may speak to us through these words to come as they point to the word just read and most of all to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. What do you want for Christmas? I was asked that question recently by someone in my family, and it's a question you have to be careful asking a pastor, because you might get the kind of answer you weren't looking for. What do you want for Christmas? Well, how about peace on earth? How about a ceasefire on death and sickness? How about the end of world hunger? How about harmony among all families? What do you want for Christmas? Of course, we know that question is often about you know what it is that we can be ordering on Amazon or found at the mall, something packaged, something tangible, something around which you can tie a pretty bow. That's usually the answer we're looking for at Christmas. Some of you never have to ask that question of those you love because you already know the answer. You are really good gift givers. You have this radar that picks up on everybody's needs and desires. And when Christmas rolls around and people open the gifts that you've given them, you hear them say, oh my, how did you know I wanted this? What a wonderful spiritual gift to have, the gift of gift giving. But a lot of us don't have that gift. And for a lot of us, what happens when people open our gifts, they kind of stare at them for a couple of seconds, and then they say not, oh my, how did you know I wanted this? They just say, oh my. A long time ago, my mother had taken very ill over Christmas such that she had to be hospitalized, and Amanda and I decided to get for her what we thought would be a very, very special gift, and that was a VCR. It was about the time when VCRs were just coming out, and I realized that not many people these days even know what a VCR is. They've come and gone so quickly. But back in the mid-'80s, they were getting popular. We thought it would be something nice for her to have when she came home from the hospital. So we bought this VCR, wrapped it up real nicely, took it to her hospital room on Christmas Eve. She decided not to open it, though, on Christmas Eve. She decided to wait till Christmas Day. So on Christmas Day, the whole family gathered. We opened gifts in the hospital. When we got to the big VCR package, we handed it to her with great expectation. But before she opened it, she said this, you know, I've been looking at that box all night and all morning, and I can I only wonder what that might be. And I finally realized that it might be a VCR. But then I thought to myself, that would be the dumbest Christmas present anybody could give me. Amanda and I looked at each other, and there came this pregnant pause, and when she opened it, what could she say, right? Another pregnant pause, a moment of disappointment and disbelief, followed by a lot of backpedaling, followed by a lot of laughter. Fortunately, we had the kind of family that could laugh at those things. 
As it turned out, if ever there was a person who wore out her VCR, it was my mother. What do you want for Christmas? Good question. And maybe a really good question this year, because if ever there was a year that we would be less inclined to come up with an Amazon or Best Buy or Macy's kind of answer, it might be this year. What do we want for Christmas 2020? An end of COVID, we might say. A return to work, we might say. Reunited with family, we might say. A functioning government, we might say. A place in line for the vaccine, we might say. Christmas 2020 might have us thinking about deeper, more fundamental things. And maybe, maybe it might be precisely those things, healing, wholeness, peace on earth, good world toward women and men, it might be those things for which we might be most afraid to ask. Because these are the big things, the great aspirations, the outlandish hopes, the nearly impossible. Why not just ask for our crock pot from Amazon, tone down our expectations for what can be delivered in two days and better yet can be returned if we don't like them. Of course, our Advent characters for today, Mary and Joseph, don't really have that luxury. Christmas was not about what they wanted. Christmas is about what they got dealt, and they got dealt a lot, a lot to digest, a lot to take in, a lot to figure out. The angels visit and tell them that the world, their world, will be turned upside down. They tell them that God is up to something big, and they've got a part in the play. They tell them the course of history is taking a sharp turn at the intersection of their lives, and, and frankly, there isn't much they can do about it. Can this be, Mary asks, because the anatomy and physiology of it doesn't add up? How can this be anything good, Joseph asks, because the family planning etiquette and social mores appear not to add up with a fiancé pregnant without his help? And both angels, in so many words, tell them to be patient. Tell them that with God, nothing is impossible. And both angels, in so many words, Tell them not to give up. Don't give up on what God can do. So the young Nazarene couple move forward, waiting on what God can do. I suppose this is what lies at the heart of this fruit of the Spirit called patience. Not giving up on what God can do. Eric Larson, in his great book, The Splendid and the Vile, chronicles that fateful year spanning 1940 and 41 when England underwent the bombing blitz of the Third Reich, night after night, pounding and fires and enormous human casualty, and yet Churchill and his fellow Englanders refused to give in, refused to give up. They just kept waiting, waiting for the aid of the Almighty, waiting for the aid of the Allies. Later in 1941, after the worst was over, Churchill made his speech at the Herald School, his famous speech when he said, this is the lesson, never give in, never give in, never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. So the young virgin and the young carpenter sit and hold hands and tell each other of angelic visits, and then they wait, and they wait, and they wait because that's all they can do. They patiently wait, not giving up on what God can do. Joseph, against the rules of polite society, takes Mary as his wife. 
Mary says, let the angel let it, let it be to me according to your word. And then it's a hope and a prayer after that. Holding on to the hope that somehow God is going to make something out of nothing, bring good out of bad, salvage hope out of despair, holding on and not giving up. Maybe that's what this patience is all about. It's all about the not giving up, though the future is uncertain, though the plan is fuzzy, though the path forward seems rather impossible. Patience is all about the not giving up, not giving up on yourself, not giving up on the world, and not giving up on God. These two teenagers in trouble, these two most likely not to succeed in a minute, that's how we see them if they showed up on our doorstep today. Homeless, out of wedlock pregnancy, teenagers in trouble, heading in the wrong direction, we might say. And yet somehow, some way, they believe these two angels that they are actually heading in the right direction. And that God might be able to use someone like them. Let it be to me, Mary says to the angel, let me be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to give up on myself. Take Mary as your wife, the angel says to Joseph, against all decorum, against all common sense. Don't give up on the possibility, Joseph, that even you might be a part of the plan, an actor in the play, a voice in the choir. Don't give up on yourself. Don't let yourself think that whatever has come your way can take away from you the greater purpose that God has always intended. I think of that when I see my friends gather here over the weekend for an AA meeting this little community of people who are looking for freedom from the bottle. And I'm always overwhelmed at their presence on our campus and the times when I've accompanied friends to meetings and see these courageous men and women sitting there telling their stories, recall, re reciting their steps, holding on one day at a time. I see a group of people who have not given up. They've not given up on themselves and that somehow that higher power has a purpose for their lives, that it's worth the fight and the power of hell won't prevail. Patiently, they wait one day at a time for God to keep doing God's thing. Don't give up on yourself, say the Nazarene teenagers. And along with that, don't give up with the world. The world will give us plenty to give up on, right? It's easy to grow cynical. Everybody's out for themselves. We say, please don't, people don't share our values. People don't vote the way we do. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. There doesn't seem to be a way to turn this all around. We, we might just want to give up on the whole thing. But God so loved the world, the Bible says, that he gave his only son. And at Christmas, the two teenagers in trouble take center stage and say, look what God is doing. Look what God is birthing. And God, through them, enters the world, and now the world is heading in a brand new direction. Most of us know the story of Millard Fuller, a country lawyer from America's Georgia who looked at the world and saw back then over a billion people without adequate housing. I'm guessing it's at least two billion these days. People without a decent roof over their head or maybe no roof at all. And that is a statistic that can easily lead you to give up on the world. It's too big of a problem to solve. Tends... But Miller Fuller didn't give up on the world. 
because he did not believe in a God who gave up on the world. So he started building houses, tens of thousands of houses through interest-free loans and volunteer labor. We call it Habitat for Humanity. Hundreds of thousands of people who have adequate housing because someone did not give up on the world. That little baby in Mary's womb says to us, don't you give up on the world either. Have you ever wondered about the people in your life who are looking for a little hope, who are looking for a little bit of kindness, a little bit of grace? Several years ago, when our daughter was pretty young, we decided to give her for Christmas a little high chair for her dolls. And we had it delivered, and I have procrastinated in putting it together until late in the evening on December the 22nd. I remember that date because of the rest of the story. Some of you know how skilled I am mechanically. Well, sure enough, I had gotten to the end of putting this little high chair together and realized I had put on one of the parts backwards and it needed to come off so I could put it on the right way. Well, it wouldn't come off. I pulled, I tugged, I yanked, and snap, it came off. The piece came off in two pieces. And with that piece now broken, there was no high chair. My parental life passed in front of my eyes the one gift that she wanted, and there it sat ruined. Oh, Lord, I said, this is a pastor speaking now. Oh, Lord, I said, if you're up there, you got to help me out. The next morning, I called the toy company and got a customer service rep on the phone and told him what had happened, that it was entirely my fault, and so on and so forth. And after telling my tale of woe, do you know what he said to me? He said, boy, you really screwed up. Thank you so much. And then after an awkward silence of a couple seconds, he said to me, don't worry, Mr. McConnell, that piece will be on your front porch tomorrow morning. No charge. How can this be, I asked. Merry Christmas, he said. The next morning it was there. Oh, how nice, how kind for this stranger to be. Oh, the world is filled with lots of folks looking for a little grace, a little kindness, a little help. Don't give up on the world because we know there are lots worse things than broken high chairs. There are broken relationships. There are broken bank accounts. There are broken economies. There are broken dreams. There are broken promises. There are broken bodies. There are broken people, all looking for a little grace, a little kindness, a little help, looking for someone who's not giving up on them. So there arrive these teenagers in trouble, taking their place in our little crushes, here to say that their little baby will turn the world around. It's hard sometimes to see, but Paul says if we hope for what we do not see, We wait for it with patience. And that's the rub, right? Hoping for what we do not see. Hoping for the possibility that God might be up to something. Hoping for the chance that maybe I, maybe you, might be an instrument of the divine plan. Hoping for the possibility that even this messed up world can still be turned around. That we are agents of redemption that there really is a hope and a prayer. 
that God might be able to make bad into good, bring healing out of hurt, turn dark into light. And maybe that's what makes them move forward, these teenagers in trouble, despite all that pushes back on them. Unannounced angels, unexplained pregnancy, unexpected census, unplanned visit to Bethlehem, unhospitable innkeeper, unsterile birthing environment, but they move forward, pondering all these things in their hearts. Not giving up, patiently waiting for God to do God's thing, and with shepherds looking and kings bowing. Behold, God does God's thing. Can the same be true in this strange and terrible time? It must. It must. We move forward. We do not give up. We hope for what we do not see. And we wait for it with patience. For God will do God's thing. Let us pray. It's hard to wait, O oh God. It's hard to hope for what we do not see. But we praise you that as you came to the world in the form of that little baby long ago, so you still come. And you show up in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. You show up where we least expect you to show up. And we pray that you will give us eyes to see and hearts to believe again. In Jesus' name, amen.
shall be born we'll one day Oh God, that we don't know what you might be up to even now, despite the circumstances, despite the season. But we're grateful, O oh Lord, that in this particular time, as we see your child born in Bethlehem, so we can believe that you'll be born again in new ways, in different ways, in unexpected ways. So Lord, give us eyes to see and hearts to believe. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.